Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 279 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, joined by Jill. How's it going? Good. How are you? I am doing well. This is definitely not the third intro we've recorded in a row. I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, one so, of those days. One of those days. We had to get a whole bunch of stuff done at the exact same time. Uh, what is today's episode about? So today's episode is an interview I did um, back at ALA with fiction author Jasmine Guillory. Her new book, um, The Proposal, is out tomorrow, October 30th. And this is a book about, you know those public proposals? Oh. Oh. Yeah, it's about a public proposal. Um uh, Nicole is proposed to by her boyfriend of five months oh, <laughs> at no. a Dodgers game, and she says no in front of all of the people. And uh, it does not go well. And, of course, in this age of social media, everyone, it's, like, going viral, and it's, like, this whole big thing. Um, so, yeah, uh, Jasmine's book, um, The Wedding Date, did really well. She writes fun, um, you know, like, rom-com books and it's it's good stuff she was really fun to talk to she um is an attorney and i believe so like is a lawyer in her life not ready life and um so yeah she was fun to talk to i've like instant heartburn just about the idea of public proposals it sounds public proposal gone wrong yeah don't do that i was like that's a genius idea it's so funny Especially in the age of social media when that stuff goes viral really quickly yeah and suddenly everyone knows who you are and you're the girl who said no and yeah Oh my god! Oh, there's the one of the first off one of the blurbs. She I just looked it up while you're talking. One of the blurbs is by Roxanne Gay. We did talk about that. We talked about that. Did you? <laughs> oh my god! We talked about that. I was like, Jasmine. I feel like Roxanne Gay read your book. Let's talk I, about that. I feel like the idea. If I ever get to write a book, and I know that you are obviously working on your second one, like the idea of like someone famous like that who I idolize. Not even reading my book, like knowing my book exists, would be too much for me to handle. Um, uh, oh my god! Here's another little snippet from the um, from the overdrive.com page. When someone asks you to spend your life with him, it shouldn't come as a surprise or happen in front of forty five thousand people. Oh, wow! I'm so jealous retroactively that you got to talk to Jasmine. She and was I didn't. so fun. Yeah, oh, she was delightful. This looks wonderful. Um, if people want to get a hold of us, how can they do that? They can go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. There they can get links to our social. Um, we're on Instagram and Twitter, at ProBookNerds. You can visit our Viber community to come chat about the proposal and on ev- any other books you want to read. Um, and you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. <laughs> Sorry, on her book, the, the tagline on the book is the proposal. Not everybody wants one. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want to read this so bad. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. God, I'm literally in real time gushing about the book that Joe got to talk about. Um, is there anything else you think people should know about? I think that's everything. Oh, well, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation that Jill had with Jasmine Guillory. And then go read this book like I'm going to very, very shortly. All right. Enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. 
everyone, this is Jill, and with me today, I have author Jasmine Guillory, whose debut, The Wedding Date, was a library reads pick and loved by Entertainment Weekly, Cosmo L. and Harper's Bazaar, just to name a few. Her latest book, The Proposal, Roxanne Gay called it a sharp with a feminist edge, which is quite an accolade to get on your book. It, it, it was amazing. <laughs> I was in a car with some friends when I read that, and like started screaming like, so loudly the driver almost oh, yeah. got in a car accident. and I also sort excited. of love that Roxanne Gay reads romance yeah, novels I love it yeah which is just amazing mm-hmm. so can you st- first thank you for coming on the podcast thank you so much for having me <laughs> can you start by giving our listeners a brief introduction to the proposal yeah um so the proposal is about um the best one of the best friends from the wedding date Drew's best friend Carlos and it starts at a Dodgers game. Um, a woman sitting in a few rows before Carlos gets proposed to over the Jumbotron by her boyfriend of just five months. She says no. Um, sure. And then chaos ensues. Of course. So Carlos and his sister help her get out of the stadium. Um, and then they all go out for drinks to debrief about it. And then a little bit of sparks fly between Carlos and... <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I sort of love that you took characters that people are already going to be a little bit familiar with. So is that sort of, do you see more of that coming from the characters in your story? I do. I'm working on the third book right now. Um, and it is also about some people that you have met uh, in the wedding day. Okay. And I, you know, I think this, this idea of these, pu- the, the public proposals is the stuff of nightmares for oh, me. absolutely. Especially five months. That's yeah. just... No, no, that's not good. No. And then you bring the social media thing where these things get filmed and yeah. they go viral. And and people, you know, tag someone in it without her consent and then everything becomes a nightmare. Um, yeah, so that was, it was funny because I sort of, my first thought about it was the public proposal. I thought about this during, a few years ago during the Olympics, a, a number of people, women who had just won medals. Oh, that's right. Sudden, like, their boyfriend like leapt out of the stands to propose to them, and I kept thinking, let them have their moment. They just won an Olympic medal. Why are you making it all about you? Yes. Um, and also, the public proposal seems like a way to just trap someone into saying yes. Yep. Um, because they don't want to embarrass yeah, you. It's just yeah, since you know women are so ingrained to like do the nice thing and not embarrass someone. So that's sort of how I got the idea for the beginning of this book, and then I thought, who would be the woman? who wouldn't be too embarrassed to say no. Right, right. Um, And that's kind of how I conceived of the character of Nick. Okay. Um, who is the, the heroine of this book. And then I thought, like, that's a great story for Carlos because he would definitely be attracted to the, that kind of woman. Right. Um, so then it just sort of went from there. Went from but, there. But it, but it, you know, I was sort of thinking about what would happen to a woman who did that in 2018. Um, and then, of course, social media would happen. Of course, people would be, have their cell phones filming. Um, of course, people would recognize her and know who she was if she's in her home city and you know so it all I you know everything kind of went from there yeah I love it I love it and I did one of my notes was yeah the, the pressure of women and weddings and proposals and it does feel like sort of entrapment a yeah, little bit right <laughs> like who's gonna say no in that sort of circumstance yeah. so I, I I do like that idea of sort of and I've definitely heard of people who have gotten publicly proposed to who wanted to say no who felt like they couldn't in that moment and then afterwards had to figure out a way to like to get out of it to get out of it and to dial back and say well you know you should have talked to me 
before that right, happened. Right, right. Before you did it in front of, like, all of my friends and family or everybody at a stadium if you wanted me to really be into it. Right. And I think, yeah, the, the Olympic thing, I do remember that because it did feel like it was a lot about the men yeah. and not about the women that they were proposing to. Right. Like, if you want to do that, maybe take her out for dinner later that night Yes, and give her flowers and then propose. Like, not in the moment where she's getting, getting her Olympic medal. Yeah. Let her have that own solo moment herself. Right. I do think, yeah, I think, you know, it's tricky with whether... Women often sort of get categorized based on their relationship status. Yes. And with something like this, yeah, the proposal, it does, she's the one being asked, but it often comes down to the guy's the one doing it. It's all about him in a little bit. And I always think about how it's funny when George Clooney and his wife and how he often is called her husband, which makes me so happy. Oh, it's delightful. I love it. Because like, there is this, you know, I, I think we need more romance novels that examine the sort of more non-traditional women or who, the, the feminist side of yeah. things. Because well, just even, you know, Michelle Obama's speech a few days ago, she talked about how when she became first lady, she was suddenly just a spouse. Mm-hmm. When her whole life she had been, she'd been working so hard, she'd gone to Princeton and Harvard Law School and was the vice president of a hospital, but then, you know, she was just a spouse and nothing else. Right. And I think that is definitely something that happens to women. Like, they become someone's spouse or someone's girlfriend or, you know, their identity is tied up in how they relate to other people right. and not their own accomplishments. Right, yeah. So we definitely need more stories yeah. where that is sort of bucked a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and romance in particular, because I, I do like reading romance, but it took me a long time to find romance books I liked because so much of what I was finding just sort of was more of the status quo, the traditional relationships, and that's not who I am. Yeah. And I wasn't able to relate to the characters in any way. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's a lot of great... Um, feminist romance novels. Sometimes it takes a little digging to get to them, but I think, especially these days, they've been some of the really popular ones. Which right. Is exciting. I mean, that's how I got into reading romances because I was reading some of those books and it was like, oh, this is what romance can be. Like, this is exciting. Right. I like this. Right. Um, and then I started thinking of ideas for who I wanted characters to be, but it wasn't until I found those books that I really realized. Like, we can have romantic novels that are about strong women, mm-hmm. um, which was really exciting. So I'm going to put you on the spot, but okay. can you think of any that would you would recommend to people who also like The Wedding Day? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Every time. Um, so some of the books that got me really into reading romance, um, Courtney Milan and Tessa Dare. Uh, um, I love, I love all, all of their books. Um, those are his, they're mostly historical. Courtney Milan has some contemporaries, but they're mostly historical. Um, but I love all of their books and it's great in the like historical realm to have books with strong women too because I think you know a lot of the like traditionally a lot of those books were just sort of like the young woman who gets plucked out of the governess or you know the debutante or whatever and so it's nice it's great to have those books um Beverly Jenkins I just adore her books and her characters are all really strong women which I just love um and they're also historical but they're set in in you know America um which I really love and all of her characters are black women um or her heroines right um so you know those are some of the historical books that I love um for contemporary Julie James um 
Uh, oh, so, uh, another historical, back to historical, um, Sarah McLean. <gasps> I love her books. I love her books. Oh my gosh, they're so fun. And she's yeah. like the best Twitter account ever. She's yeah, so much fun to follow great. as well. Great. Yes. Um, contemporary Alexis Daria. Um, she has, uh, what's her most recent book? Take, take the Lead, I think. Okay. Or one of her most recent books. Um, I, it's just so much fun. So, yeah, I could go on forever about this, but. <laughs> no, that's very helpful. That's very helpful. I, yeah, because I think, you know, romance is it's a tricky one because I think a lot of people who don't read it have this very black and white view of what romance novels are, and they just sort of are like, I'm not going to read that. Yeah. And there's so much out there. There's so much out there. Right. From that can really hit any kind of, like, no matter what sort of thing you're looking for yeah. in a book, there's probably a romance out there that would right. fit that. Like, oh, Alicia Rye's books are amazing. Have you read any of her I books? I have not. Oh, you have to. <laughs> they're, I mean, she has a real range, but they're also, like, they give me so much emotion <laughs> reading Right. Um, and they're, you know, they're about, like, I think it's great that there's been a lot more attention on romance writers of color who write yes. books about women of color. Um, and so I just love reading so many books that are such a variety that I think a lot of people who don't normally read romance don't realize what a broad spectrum there is in the, in the genre. Agreed. Actually, on that subject of um, the black authors and black characters, I'd read an, an essay you did on uh, Catapult talking about when you were little, a lot of the books that you read, like the children's books, they had black characters, but they were always like slavery related. Yes, right. Yeah. And how, like, and you I, know, they were growing up in Jim Crow. Right. Um, and admittedly, speaking from a place of privilege that had never, you know, we talked so much about diversity that had never really occurred to me that, yes, of course, that's what the books would have been, and, yeah. but they would have been like, no, but you know, you're seeing yourself and that's not really what you want to see when you're a little kid growing right. up. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, and, and I'm so excited, like, I was walking around and looking at a lot of the children's books now, and there, there's so many great, like, picture books, middle grade books about, like, little girls of color who aren't, like, in a time of struggle, right, you know? And right. so that's really exciting to me, that there are those books now, that, you know, publishers are putting those books out for little girls who want to, I mean, yes, I think it's really important to read about history. I was a history major, I... I, I, as I said, I love historical right, books. Right, right. But also, we want to read books about people having fun, too. And I think that's really important to not think that, like, all all you can do in your life or all someone who looks like you could do was, like, be poor and struggle. Right. <laughs> you know? Agreed. Yes. Were you a big reader as a kid, though? Oh, cute. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Were there any particular books that you really enjoyed reading or types of books or authors? So many. I mean, I loved the Anne books. I have read all of those books, like, so many times. I still read them all, like, at least once a year. Um, the Betsy Tacey books, mm -hmm. I adored all of those books. I reread them a lot, too. <laughs> um, I loved, I was obsessed with, like, books about little girls who did ballet, because I did ballet as a okay. little girl, and so I read a lot of books like that, like all of the shoes books. Yep. Um, I, I read all of those many, many times, and actually I'm super excited that those haven't been on ebook, and they're coming out on ebook next year. See? I, like, I have been checking, like, like twice a year for at least the past 10 years. Like, are they in ebook yet? Because I have them all in our copy, but sometimes... You want them on ebook. I want them 
Bonnie book two, and they're coming out next year, which I'm very excited about. There you about. go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so many books like that. Um, now, I know uh, before you became a writer, you were a lawyer. Yeah. I still am. <laughs> you are? Okay, yeah. so that was one of my questions, yeah. is if you're still a practicing lawyer. Yes. You are. Um, and, like, how, you know, just making this shift from practicing law to being a writer what is that like you know it's a little bit wild um I mean I think some of the same some of the same discipline goes into both I think just like as a lawyer I kind of learned that I had to get my work done that deadlines were important Mm -hmm. um how to like I, I think it's a very different kind of writing obviously sure but you know, throughout my life in all of the schooling I did, I learned how to be, I learned how to write. I mean, not, not necessarily fiction. I never took a fiction writing class, but you sort of learn how to put words together. You learn how it's important to communicate with people Uh um, and how to like communicate with different audiences and different types of people. Um, So that has been interesting to be be able to bring things back and forth. Right. Um, But it also has been funny to see, like, my law school friends are like, you wrote a romance (laughs) That's not what I expected. (laughs) See? So, yeah. Surprising. Mm -hmm. Just keep people guessing. Yeah. But, I, you know, I think that's one of those things where people, I think, you know, sometimes people who aren't writers maybe have an idea that... You know, the balance that comes with having a full-time job, and I'm sure as a lawyer, you work exceptionally long hours a lot of the time, and you still found time to write a book. Like, it can be done, balancing all of the life priorities. I mean, I think I just had to, like, block out time, right? Um, And that was the really important thing. And, you know, it's a little bit easier to do it now that... When I wasn't published yet, right, I sort of felt very shy about, oh, I'm writing a novel, like everybody wants to write a novel, right? And so I didn't really tell a lot of people that I was doing that, but I would kind of just go home every night and write for a few hours at night. And sometimes someone would, you know, like, oh, you should come out tonight, and I would think that I I would rather sit at home and work on my book. But I didn't really want to tell anyone that because I wasn't published yet, or, you know, I didn't really know where I was going with this. Um, so now it's a little bit easier yeah, to say talk. like, no, I can't come. My deadline's in a few weeks. Um, but it, but it, you know, you do have to just commit to yourself to set aside that time to work on it. And it doesn't have to be two hours every night. I mean, it can be like thirty minutes every morning to just you know get a few hundred words on the page, right? Keep going. Just I, you know, when I was working on the first draft of the wedding date, I would bring my laptop to work every day and like sneak across the street to Starbucks for thirty minutes at lunchtime, um, and then just like work on it really hard and then go back to work right I think that is yeah the discipline of just this is what I'm going to do and committing to it and just doing it over and over yeah. and over again and keeping up with that so so you are still practicing though and you're still yes. managing to do yeah. it <laughs> ah, good for you <laughs> you know sometimes there's a balance <laughs> sometimes life is a little busier than other times right but, um, but yes but you're you're still doing it. Yeah. Um, so we are, of course, at a library conference. Yeah. Did, so as, as a reader, I'm sure you were had like a library card very early when oh, you were yeah, a kid. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes I, st- I still live in the area that I grew up in. So sometimes I drive by my local, my what was my local library when I was a little girl. And 
I had many memories of like being in the children's room there and checking out a bunch of books. Do you have any specific memories of libraries when you were growing up? Oh, so many. I mean, my parents were both in graduate school when oh, I was okay. little. So um, my, they were both, my parents are both um, psychologists. And it is, I think, one of the disciplines that's best if you have a little kid is psychology because there are lots of children's books. <laughs> right. A lot of people see children. So sometimes I would just like go to work with them when they did not have childcare and then like want sit in the library, in the children's library and just pull books out. Um, so it was, you know, I think, yes, you're not supposed to use libraries as babysitting, but it, it, but I, I was a very bookish kid. So yeah. I would just like sit in the corner with a pile of books and read until they were done. <laughs> Whatever works for yeah. you. <laughs> Whatever works. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it's always interesting how the kids who write a lot tend to grow up to be writers, yeah. even if it happens a little bit later yeah. in life than for you, or like over like in your, you know. Right. I mean, I didn't. I loved reading as a kid, and I read. Ton I mean, starting from when I was like four years old, I was reading books constantly. But I never thought about becoming a writer until I was in my thirties. Um, I just sort of thought of that. I thought of books as a thing I read, not wrote. Um, and then at some point I was like, I felt like I needed a creative outlet in my life. And I was like, well, I've always loved to read. I wonder if I would like writing. And I just sort of started doing it. Okay. Um, but it wasn't something that I thought that I would grow up and be. Do you do a lot of, do you plot, uh, do you plot in advance or yeah, do you just kind of make it up as you yeah. yeah, I mean, I do, but there is a lot of like, there's a lot of room within my right. Um But I definitely need to know, to a certain extent, where the book is going um, before I start writing. Or at least, you know, I I think I have tried to write with just an idea, and it was a very much a failure for me. Um, so I know that I need that, that I need to have an idea of like what the ending is or how I'm gonna get and how I'm gonna get there. Um, and then sometimes something will happen. I'm like. Yes, I need to change something, <laughs> but it do, it does sort of give me. I need a path of right. what's going to happen. So, in an ideal world, would you be writing full time at some point in the future, or do you like? I mean, you know, if you're, I mean, I think in many ways I would love to write full time, but also um, I'm a person who works a lot better with structure. <laughs> um, that yeah. So it, I think it is good for me to like have to fit writing in in the midst of other things. Um, so that, you know, if, if left to my own devices, I would get nothing done. Get nothing done. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it is good that I have to, you know, schedule my writing in right. the midst of all of the other stuff I have to do. Right. Okay. So at the end of our, all of our interviews, we do something we call the um, Nerd Nine. All uh, right. Which are nine sort of lighthearted questions. Don't put too much thought into them, okay. I promise. What was the last book you finished reading? Uh, um, the last book I finished reading is called All You Can Ever Know. Um, it comes out in October. It's by Nicole Chung. It's a memoir. Oh, um, I've seen the yes, yes. It's the you've seen the cover around. I've seen the cover around. Uh, it, it's just wonderful. It, it. She was a she's Korean. She was adopted by a white family as a baby, um, and it's about how when she was pregnant herself, she decided that she wanted to find out more about her birth family. Um, and then it's her path to like how she found out what she found out about them um, and how how in many ways that changed her life. That sounds really and it's, good. It's just incredible. I love it. Uh, what is the book that made you fall in love with reading? 
I know. That is a great question. You know, um, it might be the little engine that could. Oh, <laughs> such a cute one. Do you have a favorite place you like to read? Bed. Either in bed or in the bathtub. It's most of my reading I do at night, taking a bath, and then I get into bed and read until I fall. like it. What is one place you'd like to travel to that you haven't been to yet? Oh, I have always wanted to go to Italy. I've never been yet. Um, and I've wanted to go for like 30 years. <laughs> Your favorite holiday? Christmas. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Favorite food? I mean, you can't ask that in New Orleans. Okay. That is, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. There are so many good restaurants yeah. here. I have to like schedule an entire another trip to come back just to eat everything. I was saying to someone the other day that like, I have not experienced hunger since I've been here because I just keep going from meal to meal. It's all so good. Yeah, it's all so good. All right. We'll give you a pass on that one. That's fine. Um, if you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be? Michelle Obama. Did you go? So then you you were able to go? I did. And was you was like, what was that like? It was incredible. <laughs> she was just wonderful. Yeah. I'm a little and jealous. Like the, the reception of the crowd, it was like, like, there was just so much love being thrown at her from the entire convention hall. It was just beautiful. Oh, man. When we came, because when we got in on Friday, we couldn't go. We were working our booth here, but the line. Yeah, yeah. And we were worried that it just like kept going and yeah. going, but it sounds like everyone that they yeah, like get in. Yeah, I think got in. Which is amazing. Yeah. So I just, you know, she is so inspiring and I think having her here at a library conference is just incredible. incredible. Yeah, She's I can't so wait passionate. for her I know. Really I know. Maybe it. she'll come on the podcast too. Oh, yeah, and then you could be like, me and Michelle are on the same podcast. <laughs> um, so finally, what would you like readers to take away from reading the proposal? You know, there's a lot in the proposal I think about um, friendship and family and how how those get you through some of the hardest times in your life um and so i hope that resonates with people um and how and that those are the people that you lean on um and kind of recognizing when your friends are right how to find love um and so i hope i hope people really like that part i love it thank you so much for coming on the podcast jasmine thank you so much Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.